Hello, my name is Dr. Brandon Brock. I work with Carpathia Collaborative. I'm a chiropractor. I'm also a doctorate in nursing practice. I'm also a PhD student, and I'm studying lipids right now because lipids are very interesting to me. And the reason why they're interesting is because it's related to so much death, destruction, and pathology all across the world. Females, males, every race, every gender, you name it. But the most important thing is it attacked my family. It took my father from me when I was 12. So I made it a mission to grow and to learn and to become somebody who could research and who could educate and say, look, I don't want somebody that's 11 years old to go through what I went through. And so I think what's important to me right now is to give a little bit of information, just a little bit, that can maybe give practitioners and clinicians and patients alike some information just to maintain your life. We all have a limited amount of time, but what I really want and what we all want at our clinic is for you to have the best time that you have. You know, we want your journey from A to Z to be the best it can be. So what I did is I took all the studies that I've done in lipids and I've broken it down and in order to be really respectful to Western medicine and also to administer integrated medicine, I want to give you just some information that maybe can be educational. And that's what it's meant to be is educational. It's not meant to be absolute. But in regards to your vessels that carry blood and oxygen to all the tissues that need it to stay alive, I really wanted to break it down into four parts. You know, you have your standard lipid panel that's been around for 50 years, maybe, give or less. Your metabolics, your inflammation, and your genetics, all these really are starting to factor together. And the integrated practitioner is starting to say, look, we have lipids, but these lipids become weaponized because of inflammation. And inflammation is even worse when we have a metabolic problem. And genetically, can we tolerate any of this? So if you look on the screen, I gave you kind of a progressive atherosclerotic, which means the narrowing of a blood vessel because it becomes, you know, damaged. How does that happen? What does it go through? What can you measure? What can what can clinicians do? What can patients expect? What can patients actually ask their provider to do? And this isn't really in regards to Western medicine or integrative or functional. It's just really related to the practitioner that studies up on this and looks at the voluminous amounts of literature that deal with the picture, which I didn't make, and I really don't know who to give credit to, but this is a beautiful picture. It looks at the progression of atherosclerosis, and that's what I want to talk about really quickly. And as a patient, what do you need to know? And as a clinician, what do you need to do? So first, we look at the standard lipids, and really... This is your, you know, cholesterol levels. And I look at cholesterol levels and, and many people are, they get medicated for cholesterol. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But cholesterol is really needed for hormones. It's needed for all kinds of things in your body. And it's not necessarily bad. It's when it becomes weaponized because of inflammation. It's when it becomes oxidized because of inflammation that it starts to damage the lumen or the lining of the vasculature. So what we really want to prevent as a, you know, integrated practitioner or any other practitioner is we want to prevent that weaponization from happening. So picture cholesterol as a gun. It doesn't have any bullets. It doesn't have a cartridge. It's not chambered. It's just a gun. It's sitting there. 
And it can't do anything unless you, you know, throw it at somebody. But then inflammation comes along, and we have you know, inflammatory markers, which you can see here on the bottom of the slide, and I'll go through each one of these here in just a second. But what can happen is we can have inflammatory markers that can now take cholesterol and oxidize them. And we can have other markers that can damage the actual vasculature so that we have a streak, and in the streak, the cholesterol now embeds itself, and embedding itself, when it's oxidized, it can start to become narrowed, and when it becomes narrowed, it can be covered, and once it's covered, it can become really ischemic. There's no blood getting through, or something may break loose, and now it goes floating downstream, gets stuck, and everything distal to that becomes dead. Heart attack, transient ischemic attack, and so forth. So, it's really important to kind of look at each part of this, and I think that as an integrative practitioner, I personally like to look at each one of these when somebody comes in and they're like, look, I, I'm worried about heart disease. I'm, I'm scared to death. You know, I had somebody die from it or my other markers are really high. I want to know more about it. So let's talk about it a little bit. We have the standard lipids, and that's, you know, cholesterol, which is total cholesterol. And then we have LDL, the common type, which is the considered the bad cholesterol, and we have the HDL, which is considered the good cholesterol, and then we have triglycerides, which are, you know, part of the mixture as well. And what happens is this, LDL, again, can be oxidized, or we can have different types of LDL, which is the small, dense LDL. So the oxidized LDL and the small, dense LDL are typically never measured. However, the odds ratio of them causing pathology based upon the literature is enormously higher than just regular LDL itself. So let me just tell all the practitioners and the patients out there. You can have a normal lipid panel, the traditional lipid panel that just looks at LDL. But if your SDLDL or your oxidized LDL is up, you're now at a greater risk even though your normal lipid or your regular lipid panel is normal. So I think that we're not looking at all of the markers, and that is the biggest point that I'm saying. And so what makes this happen? Well, inflammation does this. And you can look right here, and it's you know our C-reactive protein, our highly sensitive reactive protein, which really, in the last two years, has become more and more and more prevalent based upon our clinical observations. Hearts have become more inflamed. Vasculature has become more inflamed. The reasons for that... It's not something I'm going to get into right now, but we can all postulate that the overall population is getting a greater inflammatory cardiac mechanism, and we see it in the CRP. Now, when we look at LP-PLAT2, that's the LP-PLA2, this is something that stands for lipoprotein-associated phospholipase. This is something that goes to that gun that I was talking about, and it chambers it puts a cartridge in it, and makes it ready to shoot. And then we look at MPO, which is myeloperoxidase, which makes vegetations or plaque break loose, and that's pulling the trigger. And then if you put the metabolic factors in with it, such as insulin and glucose and so forth, that makes it even worse. So when you look at somebody for a cardiovascular workup, it's more than just looking at your traditional lipid panel that's been around for 50 years the literature supports many, many other factors that are involved, and I think that's what I want to really educate people on 
just in a limited fashion, and that is be aware. So as we do this, again, part lipids, we have the HDL, the inflammation, the metabolics, and then the genetics, and of course we have blood sugar. Blood sugar is particularly terrible because when it gets up high, it causes the streaks in the vasculature, and so does homocysteine. And so when those streaks are made, cholesterol is allowed to lay itself into those streaks, and the inflammatory markers are allowed to oxidize that, and then that is allowed to make the endothelium or the actual lumen of the artery to become smaller and allow less blood flow to go through it. So typically we have this thing called good cholesterol. It carries everything out. But the unfortunate thing is good cholesterol is made out of multiple components. Let's say five. And let's say that two of those five components are really bad. So let's say that you have really high good cholesterol, HDL. And your doctor says, you got really good HDL cholesterol, you're at a very low risk. You do not understand or know, unless you map it out, which component of HDL is making it high. It could be the bad components making it high, which puts you at higher risk. And you may have normal lipid measurements, but high inflammatory mechanisms that make you more at risk. Because you see, the inflammatory mechanisms like the LP, PLAT2, and the MPO and the CRP that you see on the screen, they're independent markers for stroke and cardiovascular disease. And when I mean they're independent markers, you could have normal lipid panels that your traditional medical practitioner would do and say that you're completely okay, but if these inflammatory markers are up, you're not okay. And then when we look at the other extended markers like the oxidized LDL or the small density LDL, you're really at a higher risk. So the question that I would ask everybody, if you're a patient, do you want your practitioner to look at these markers? And if you're a clinician, do you really want to look at these markers so that you can say, hey, my patients are prone to damage? So we're going beyond traditional medicine. I'm not going to say it's really integrated medicine. I'm just going to say this. It's advanced it's contemporary, and it's really what should be now the new standard. So as I go on a little bit longer and I look at this, we can look at all the components of the HDL, which really need to be broken down. And you can do that via various labs. But just remember, don't be lulled by a high HDL. It doesn't always mean that things are good. And remember, total cholesterol might be comprised of things like cholesterol in the gut. Let me give you two examples. There's something called lanthosterol and desmosterol. And this is cholesterol that's accumulated in the gut. And they have receptors that get that into the bloodstream that make it high or low. So this is camposterol and beta-cystosterol. These are the absorption markers. And if you have high absorption markers, dietary cholesterol will come straight in and turn into a real problem. So we like to measure these things and say, is the dietary or the gut cholesterol high or is the receptors high, allowing even mediocre amounts to come in and cause a problem which could be oxidized, which could turn into vessel damage. So anyway, 
as I go through this and I look at the really the thing that's the most concerning to me is the inflammatory markers the that you know the things that chamber the gun the things that put the bullets in the gun and eventually start to fire the gun to make damage it's MPO and you can see this down here as you look progressively on this picture down towards heart damage myeloperoxidase it's a marker of blockage and when you have high MPO, you have a greater chance of a plaque breaking off, floating downstream and clogging an artery, and everything downstream from that has no blood and now it becomes ischemic, like a heart attack or a TIA. So I like MPO because it gives me a little bit of a prognostic indicator of what we're really dealing with. The LPLAT2, which, you know, as we look at that, it's something that is really interesting to me. This is the lipoprotein-associated uh, phospholipase. This is something that also goes along and oxidizes cholesterol. It's made by monocytes, and it's, it's, it's an enzyme that allows cholesterol to become something very deadly, and it weaponizes it against the vasculature. So if we have high MPO and, L, and high LPLAT2, regardless of of the amount of cholesterol that we have, even if it's normal, it can still be weaponized and it can still be used against you. So we measure these things because we don't want to be lulled into a, a sense of false security. And I think that's what happens to a lot of patients. There's a lot of people that have normal cholesterol panels for the traditional Western model, yet they still have heart attacks and strokes. It's because there's other factors at play. So when we go on and we look at this, we look at CRP, which is a marker of inflammation, and that is something that is really, we've noticed clinically since the outbreak of COVID has become very, very extenuated. There's a lot of people with inflammatory cardiovascular pathology or myocarditis. It's just a fact. It's in the literature. It's there. It's something we're going to have to deal with. It's not to say that vaccines are good or bad or that the disease are, is good or bad. We know the disease is bad, but it's one of those things where Maybe this disease has an affinity for the heart, and we need to be cautious of that as clinicians, and it's something that we need to really look out for. So when we look at insulin resistance, and this is when people, they eat a lot of blood sugar, they don't burn the calories, their insulin goes up to deal with it. When insulin goes up, it creates something called an increase in PAI1, which is platelet aggregation. So now we have platelets that aggregate. Well, we already know that with certain infections that have occurred in the last two years, we get disseminated intravascular coagulation. So when you get high insulin and we get high you know, infection rates, the platelet coagulation becomes so strong that lots of people stroke out or get inflammatory carditis, myocarditis, and so forth. Insulin resistance is a really bad thing at this point in time, and the obese population is suffering from this and this is one of the reasons why the obese population is having one of the greatest problems with infectious diseases such as COVID. And when glucose goes up of course insulin has to deal with that. We don't want people to become diabetic and have high lipids so we have to control the metabolic components and we have to control insulin as much as we do blood sugar because blood sugar can damage the endothelial lining and allow plaques to occur while insulin can allow clotting to occur. So I, I like to look at C-peptide. It's a really good measurement. And then, of course, I like to look at these inflammatory markers that weaponize cholesterol. But one of the important things is everybody's getting treated with a statin. And I'm not going to say the statins are not effective. 
But what I am going to say is they're not good for everybody. There is something called a, what we call a SCLO1B1 gene. It's an SLCO1B1 gene. And it says if you can actually metabolize these medications. And what's really interesting is nobody's running these except for integrative or progressive practitioners. Your regular practitioner doesn't run this. And so what happens is a lot of people are taking these medications and the medications are causing inflammatory mechanisms specifically towards larger muscle groups and they get muscle aches and pains. And these are people that don't utilize these medications very well and they don't look at other alternatives. The typical practitioner will just say, take it, don't complain about it, this is going to help you, and this is going to cure you. Yet they don't look at the inflammatory markers, they don't look at the genetic markers, they don't look at the metabolic markers, they don't tie the whole story together, and that whole story might be important for you as a patient in regards to your life. And if you're an integrated practitioner, you're the person that has to make the physiological change to allow the person to live a longer and healthier life. So I would say that looking at some of these genetic markers is really important. So as we kind of summarize this, and I don't want to make this too long, we look at this slide here, and I really have one slide. And we look at progressive atherosclerosis, and nowhere on here do we see that it's just limited to the normal lipid panel, and it's limited to normal medications. There are so many supplements, there's diet components, there's exercise components, there is an integrative mechanism that allows that artery to give vital nutrients and oxygen to end organs like your heart and your brain to keep them healthy. We have to keep that gun from being chambered and being loaded. We have to keep those inflammatory markers down. You can go back and you can read our blog, which really kind of describes each one of these markers, but we're also going to have a newsletter at the end, which can talk about some of the supplementation that might go along or may not go along, depending on your genetic markers in regards to medication, to help you from getting to this point and live a longer and healthier life. Because we know that this, that there's one thing that I can say, the traditional lipid panel is completely antiquated. It's archaic. It doesn't really demonstrate in regards to odds ratio in the literature everything that will create a problem in regards to you, your family members, your loved ones, in regards to damage to a vital organ like your brain or your heart. You need to keep those. So looking at heart month, which is February, what our goal is, is to teach practitioners and patients, in particular patients, to demand advanced markers. And practitioners, you need to be doing advanced markers. And then looking at some of these supplemental components, which will be added into another section that can help medications or other conventional forms of treatment like diet and exercise and things that are common sense, so that people don't get those arteries that are so narrow that some of the really critical organs start to die. This is bigger than any pandemic. This is one of the greatest components of death in the entire world. It's, it's, it's really worthy of looking at. It's worthy of studying. It's worthy of looking at the literature. And I want everybody really to understand in this short talk that really doesn't give as much detail as it should, but I want you to understand that there is more to the story 
than you're being given if you're a patient. And if you're a practitioner, there is more to the story that you need to be looking at in regards to heart damage or brain damage or kidney damage or just vessel damage. So in regards to that, I would say this. Your journey as a clinician will never stop. Your journey as a patient will always be to look for knowledge and information. If those two things come together with a good integrated practitioner, your chances possibly of living a longer, healthier life are there. The literature is absolutely abundant. This is not an opinion. This is just really a collaboration or a continuation of the information that is in the contemporary literature that says this, look out for some of these other markers. Because if you don't, bad things are on the horizon. So what I would wish all of you is this, happy heart health, happy brain health, find a good practitioner that will look at these things for you. Of course, there's a need for standard cardiovascular intervention, like echocardiograms, EKGs, nuclear medicine stress tests, and even surgery. But to prevent that, find somebody that understands this whole story and can put together the lipids, the inflammatory markers, the genetic markers, and the metabolic markers, and there's just possibly a better chance that you'll live a better life. So this is Dr. Brock. I hope you enjoyed what we're talking about here. I hope you read up on it. I hope you're interested. Happy Cardiovascular Month. To those of you that are suffering, I hope you do better. I hope you find somebody that can help you out. Thank you very much, and have an amazing 2002.